Through the Keyhole is fueled by Vanessa House Beer Company, located in Automobile Alley at 118 Northwest 8th Street in Oklahoma City. Stop by the tap room and try the legendary 401k lager or the refreshing destination wedding cerveza with salt and lime. Vanessa House is always brewing something fun like the Pog Hard Seltzer or their sweet and tasty sours. Great beers for a hot Oklahoma summer as we march towards football season. Stop by the Vanessa House Tap Room at 118 Northwest 8th Street in Oklahoma City for good drinks and family-friendly good times. Kids and pets are welcome. Yes, I mentioned kids and pets in the same sentence. Vanessa House Beer Company, the best beer in Oklahoma City. Please drink responsibly. Welcome to Through the Keyhole, an OU fan podcast. I am one of your hosts, Peyton Guthrie, and I'm joined as always by Brady Trantham, Alan Kinney, and Matt Burden. Uh, as a reminder, we do have a Patreon account that's full of Oklahoma Sooners content. Just this week, Brady hosted Kamiar Maharabian for an OU Texas rewatch, so uh, good luck on that one. Uh, I hosted Chaz Post for a Cincy Bearcat preview, or maybe some of us even just an introduction to that program. And Alan uh, graced the site with some more writing stylings, this time about uh, competitive depth and what that meant uh, for Brent Venable's squad coming up. Uh, But before we start, I want to thank Vanessa House and Scratch uh, Kitchen and Cocktails for supporting us into all of our patrons for their continued interest in this little ragtag group of OU fans. And also special shout out to those who voted on the Spotify poll. It says 71% of the people who voted believe OU will be in the Big 12 title game. Uh, so a lot of people have a lot of hope uh, <laughs> for that uh, that perspective. Uh, I, I, don't, I voted yes myself, but I don't know if I'm 71% sure <laughs> on that point in time. But let's dive in, guys. Brady, how are you doing, man? The hair looks nice. Got the good little OU polo on. He's, he's dressed for the part. Yeah, I put my OU polo on again this time. I, that's the second time I've done that. But everything's going good. We are uh, – talking season is almost over. Oh, so that's going to be fun. And then um, we won a recruiting battle over USC. You know, like, who who would have thunk it? Hey, two sport you. Look at that. Taking care of things. Alan, how are you doing, man? Oh, I'm here, man. That's good enough, you know. Still still above ground, so keep on chugging, man. And Matt, the last one in our Hollywood Squares. How are you doing? Doing well, man. Doing well. Went out to the uh the pool again today at Erica's grandparents' house, soaked up the sun a little bit, and then uh fellas, you guys might have to do this without me next week, and I'll be in Las Vegas for a nice Las little Vegas. uh nice little vacation. So what for? Uh I'm going out there to watch Manchester United play at the Raiders Stadium, a little preseason friendly against Borussia Dortmund out of the huh. uh, German Bundesliga. Yeah. <laughs> so mm-hmm. yeah, man, doing that. And then the rest of the time, I'm sure I'll be firmly in whatever sports book just laying down a ton of futures because there's nothing else going on right now. Yeah, this is always a weird time to be in Vegas. The mill is because it's like hot as hell. And then the only sport going on is baseball. You know, it's like, uh, but, uh, you know, good. It's it's definitely a cheaper time to go too. So they've got that on here going for you. So if you guys well, want me to set out any futures for you, uh, I'll get you my Venmo and we can we can figure that out. I'll play some bets for you. 
Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Maybe uh, OU that, to go undefeated. You know, that you'd be getting pretty good odds, I'm sure. So e- yeah, easy. It's an easy bet. Fade the process on that one, probably. Uh let's jump into the show. Uh OU gets a nice dunk over USC with Tatum, the number one overall running back, according to 24-7. I believe in every recruiting service, I believe has recruited, uh, has committed to the University of Oklahoma, uh, got those final flips in, as you saw right before he did that. Uh, Two Sport U will be playing OU baseball and football. But even though he's the number one recruit uh, 24-7, I think has him as a number one running back. I apologize, not number one recruit. Has him only as a four-star, uh, but I think uh, a, a composite five. Uh, Brady, it's fun to take victory laps over USC and Lincoln Riley when we can. Uh, but this one was fun. I mean, did, did you enjoy the uh, the announcement of a two-sport U and a Tatum coming in here and bringing his service uh, from Texas? Well, I didn't like sitting through 38 minutes of like Longview, <laughs> Texas ads. Like, I'm sure that was good for their local town economy, but yeah, I, I'm here for like, I I'm, I'm just want to know where this kid is going to play football at. That's really all I care about. But no, it, it was great. Like, look, I've probably mentioned Lincoln Riley's name on this episode maybe like five or six times. Um, so this might say, seem hypocritical of me, um, but I cannot wait for a day where OU fans and myself included don't have to really talk about him anymore unless it's a situation like this where we're going up against him. Like if we're going to play a Lincoln Riley coached USC team, we'll talk about it. If we're going to recruit against him, we'll talk about it. What I don't want to do is just kind of make this the Kevin Durant situation with Thunder fans. Like I, I OU has been, OU's won titles. We've won games. Like, it sucked and it was it was a bad like few days, but you know well, we moved on. So good, good. But no, I mean in terms of Tatum, the kid. If you just watch his highlight tape, kid looks special. He's got some special to him because he doesn't have the size of a super recruit. You know he's five ten, five eleven. You know somewhere around there. Really shifty, good with the ball in his hands. Um, good hands can catch out of the backfield, but is. And I know they're highlight reels, so they want you to think that this guy's awesome. But like half of his plays on some of these highlight videos just kind of give me the thought that this guy's like special. Um, kind of sim- not similar running styles, but um, kind of the feeling that I got when I watched Rodney Anderson run the ball when he started coming on in 2017. I'm like, dude, this guy's he's got some special to him. Unfortunately, he also had some injury to him. Um, I kind of saw that with Gavin Sawchuk in the Cheez It Bowl, but. Um, it was just one game, so I'm, I'm like kind of really reserving that to, until I see some more um, evidence. But you know, getting the number one back in the country, getting the best back in the state of Texas, um, that is something this program absolutely needed to do because we have struck out or allocated our resources elsewhere um, to other running backs. Even though some kid named Bijan Robinson's like, no, I'd love to play for OU, and then Bullware is like, no, 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 no. I'm going to go recruit somebody else who then I won't play um, that much or as much as I should. And then I'm going to go piss off Trey Sermon and send him to Ohio State. So, yeah. So it was good that we won this battle. I think I find it interesting, uh, or maybe not interesting. I find it gratifying. Uh, I mean, obviously, there's lots of talks when the hire first happened and Brent Mills came in and it was like, okay, OU, all OU fan base are going to have to change their collective mindset on what it is for recruiting because, you know, Brent's going to attract defensive linemen and, and, you know, linebackers and things. But maybe the day of top flight offensive talent uh, coming to Norman may be over. Like you're getting, especially if the bear raid style, you're just going to get certain types of guys. But I think maybe it's just lost in that calculus is that it's still the University of Oklahoma. <laughs> you know, that's just, the, you know, if, if all of a sudden, 
you know, Alabama started playing the air raid, uh, the bear raid. Not everyone's going to sit there and like wring their hands and go, well, I guess they're not getting wide receivers now. <laughs> it's like, what are you talking about? It's still like the top tier program, you know, in this part of the region. Of course, they're going to get these guys. Um, I think that's been kind of an interest, a very nice turn of effect on that point in time uh, to see that. And then we'll also see a lot of uh, predictions. If you guys are on X, I guess that's what it's called now. Maybe not Twitter anymore. Um, uh, David Stone getting a lot of per- getting a lot of predictions, a lot of, uh, of official picks coming in uh, to be uh, picked up uh, pretty soon by the University of Oklahoma. I, again, it's a crazy recruiting time. It's a crazy there, uh, but that's maybe something to kind of keep an eye out on. And I know we're not a recruiting podcast in general, uh, but I'll go ahead and ask uh, Alan to see if he's got a, uh, maybe anything. I mean, how do you feel personally? Uh, about OU's chances at Stone. I mean, for just our fan base, you think this is OU's going to be able to pull one off, or is it? Are we? Do we need to keep holding on to to the to the pearls uh, until it actually happens with these uh, defensive linemen? Huh. Well, the way I, I mean, everything that I hear from other reporters, you know, places like Sooner Scoop, uh, is that the situation with David Stone looks very, very promising for OU. Uh, you know, you understand he's got the local ties and whatnot. You hear about, um, you know, his uh, involvement with other recruits um, who have picked OU. So, I mean, it all sounds good. Um, but again, defensive linemen are up there with quarterbacks in terms of the most coveted uh, recruits on the market. So, I mean, if somebody, you know, shenanigans are always going to be there. I have a feeling that uh, OU is probably scared most um, you know, other powers out off the, off the trail here, just, you know, the kind of deal where they're just not going to bother spending time on it. So that kind of takes the, uh, that kind of takes the concern down a little bit here, but you know, that, uh, that fear is always going to be out there when it comes to uh, landing anybody uh, playing on the defensive interior. Yeah. I mean, that's just the hope. I mean, that, that he does hold, I mean, I don't know. Oh, you needs to keep these guys. He needs to get him. Needs to get Williams. Uh, and and also just got another a prediction. I think a couple of days ago, uh, I can't even remember from uh, Nigel for Nigel Smith as well. I mean, yeah. if you can pull him, Jaden. I mean, you pull in those four guys, you're doing good. <laughs> All of a sudden, your your off your defensive line problems are fixed, uh, at least for a little bit, because that's the problem with the uh, defensive linemen. You can never have enough, and you have and to keep appears, recruiting them. There appears to be some good news about Dominic McKinley out of Lafayette in Louisiana where OU is a serious player in that recruitment, a five-star defensive lineman in his own right. Now, I, I mean, j- just that sense alone just gives me the impression of like, this is the recruiting coaching staff that I've wanted. Like that isn't afraid to like, yeah, it's a defensive lineman in Louisiana, but guess what? We're OU. Like, of course we have a chance because we're OU. So go out guys, there and try. You guys have seen Goodfellas, right? The Lufthansa heist. Getting yeah. McKinley out of Louisiana would be the Lufthansa highest for OU, man. I mean, like, those kids don't leave Louisiana that way, especially a defensive defensive tackle. Like, if they pull that off, I mean, that's something. Money well spent, potentially. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
Enjoy great food and drinks at the original Norman Hotspot and its first cocktail bar. Scratch Kitchen and Cocktails is our choice for quality meals and drinks to enjoy the next time you're looking for a great night out. With locations in historic downtown Norman on Main Street and the Paseo Arts District in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma fans from all over the metro can enjoy Scratch Kitchen and Cocktails. Also, be sure to pick up or ask about Scratch's ready-made old-fashioned cocktail at your local wine and spirit store. Take the best Scratch concoction home to sit on your lounge chair and continue listening to this episode. Scratch Kitchen and Cocktails. Great food, drinks, and atmosphere. Brent Venables at the Big 12 Media Day had some quote-unquote disparaging comments against uh, two programs, one Miami and the other one Colorado. I think last week we talked excuse me, some about his Miami comments because I totally just glossed over the Dion stuff or the Colorado stuff. And I kind of went, yeah, 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 that's kind of whatever. I was mainly thinking about Miami and those comments and how he's kind of talking about not losing Middle Tennessee and losing to Florida State by 50 and stuff like that. Because obviously that was said from a recruiting perspective. OU's been up against Miami one-on-one against a couple of guys this year and been kind of shoving Miami into a locker uh, this recruiting cycle. Uh, in the Dion stuff, I just thought, well, yeah, it's just talking about, you know, processing players out and the transfer portal seemed kind of ho-hum in my opinion. Then I forgot that if you say the words Dion Sanders, uh, the entire college football media apparatus pays attention. Uh, and I totally forgot about that perspective. Uh, this was debated on uh, uh, PTI and Around the Horn and a mini an ESPN talk show uh, about that. Uh, Alan, you and I talked a little bit about on a, a different uh, a Discord server over on a Red Dirt Sports a little bit with the the masses over there about maybe the potential um, misstep or however you want to say it. But w- what were your general thoughts about Brent even kind of bringing these teams up and then maybe the, the quote-unquote fallout of that, which seems to have already be past us, but uh, I'm sure this stuff will always kind of bubble up. Yeah, I mean, the Miami stuff was whatever. That was just, you know, your typical. Uh, clearly, Miami had been some, you know, uh, using last year's season, I guess, against Brent or something to that effect because, you uh, know, he's recruiting because th- th- that kind of thing was, you know, you don't you don't say unprompted. The Dion thing, I think, was um, a matter of Brent trying to um, brand OU get a message out about what kind of program he's trying to build, what kind of culture he wants to have, how he wants parents and players to look at OU. Um, because, you know, and, and I, and I argue about this a lot with, uh, you know, people who talk about, you know, last year, Brent, you know, not, uh, I don't know. I, my opinion is that Brent like looked at the roster last year and really wasn't particular wasn't that aggressive about um cutting players Mm -hmm. which is a whole lot different from saying bringing in transfers uh to fill uh holes in the roster i'm talking about going to guys before the season started and saying you need to find somewhere else to go um it just it you look at how many guys left ou's program last year almost all of them were already gone i think even before venables got the job um it just it did not go down that way and i think that Venables could have been, in my opinion, a lot more ruthless about that last year and potentially, you know, upgraded the roster marginally or at least, you know, got a little younger or something like that. Uh, But he didn't. I mean, you know, and 
for everybody who wants to say, oh, well, there was nothing in the transfer portal, or you can't you can't bring guys in. Well, I mean, you know, clearly what's in the transfer portal, sometimes you can dictate that. I mean, <laughs> you know, uh, clearly Jordan Addison didn't just wake up one day and say, I'm going to hop into the transfer portal and go to USC. I mean, it it didn't go that way. And I mean, Brent wasn't back channeling from, from what I can tell. Um, so, you know, what he's, but I, I think that that was a conscious decision on his part, uh, you know, to say like, I'm going to work with the guys that I have here on the roster who I'm inheriting. And, you know, that's when the whole 12 months of grace came in. Uh, you know, that's why now things got, he did get more aggressive probably with telling guys you need to find somewhere else to go. But again, I mean, it wasn't like he didn't give all those guys a chance. Uh, Dion did not do that clearly. Um, and, you know, I think that, you know, and from Brent's standpoint, it's about branding. It's about drawing a distinction between how Dion went about doing it and how he did it and saying, these are two different approaches, you know, I mean, I think that, you know, one of them will certainly sell his will probably sell to a certain class of players, recruits, parents, especially. So uh, that was my take on it. Yeah. I think that, I think obviously for, for, he was talking to multiple different groups of people at once. Obviously I think the Miami stuff he's talking to potentially recruits directly, you know, Hey, if this gets back to you, so on and so forth, especially if you're being recruited against that, that perspective. But I think the Dion stuff, he was talking to moms, dads, high school coaches, <laughs> like yeah. everyone's going to get a chance. You're not going to get cut, you know, uh, you know, quote unquote cut or shift off. I mean, you're going to get a chance to prove yourself. You're going to have this stuff. And I think, you know, down the line, that's the stuff that really, that really matters to a certain degree as you're building these foundational pieces. And I think something like that is interesting from the Dion perspective and, you know, Brady was very active in uh, the, the Senate uh, about maybe the Riley's, how he's doing stuff like going, always having to bring people in via the portal because your foundation stuff isn't quite working. Um, you can only burn high school coaches so many times, you know, you can only before they stop quote unquote, sending people your way or like sending you, Hey, this is a guy who could be good for depth. You have to play those games. You have to be able to keep these guys involved. Um, and that's something I do wonder how these like really, really strong transfer portal activity coaches uh, or how long they're going to be able to last that way. I mean, Brady, what are your thoughts on that from like, it's just, a, obviously this is completely overblown by the uh, college football media cycle. Cause there's nothing else going on, but the, the Brent versus Dion stuff. I mean, what, wh what does, uh, what does the muse tell you about it? Well, let me interject my personal opinion about, this entire can't like from a bird's eye point of view, I haven't given a rat's ass about Colorado since 2002. And I, I still really don't. Um, now I can believe that and I can thank that. And at the same time, I want Deion Sanders to succeed actually, because I mean, we all know that there is a, there's a problem with a lack of African-American coaches, not just in the uh, NFL, but in college football, especially um, they, uh, they seem to be a lot of assistants. There seems to be a lot of assistants, uh, who are black, but not a lot of head coaches. And Dion is a uh, much different uh, head coach as a black man than uh, like a Mel Tucker or um, any other African-American coach that you could think of because Dion is a celebrity. He's He was an, a superstar um, during his playing days at Florida State and in the NFL and has become a celebrity that kids gravitate towards. And that's his brand. Like that. That's that's how he can succeed is 
by coming into a terrible situation at Colorado and just cutting everybody and telling them all to hit the portal because his best chance at success is just being that gravitational pull of a of a of a personality that he is as an influencer um, in some ways to attract kids to want to go into the portal to go play for him. I mean, Colorado is in recruiting battles with OU. They're in recruiting battles with other schools, but their you know last five to ten years of lack of success would suggest they shouldn't be in these battles at all. So that should tell you like kind of what OU is going up against when they're recruiting against Colorado. Um, but I, I want Dion to succeed because I, I think it would just be good for the um, coaching landscape in terms of equity um, and fairness and everything like that. Now, now let's get to the OU part of my brain. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it, it's I, I think the easiest thing to kind of derive from this was Brent was just going to the absolute polar opposite of how he's done it. Like, And that's a very easy thing because it was very well documented. Dion brought cameras to show it off. If you're wanting to show it off like that, then people are then able to have opinions about it. Um, now I am very sensitive to, cause I know your, your boys on PTI talked about it. Um, I'm very sensitive to the thought that, um, a lot of quote unquote establishment, um, head coaches or just, you know, white coaches might have a, an opinion on, on how a guy like Deion Sanders might go about his business and they may not like it because of whatever, you know, insert what you're probably thinking. I'm sensitive to that. This didn't really seem like it at all. Um, it seemed like it if you half-assed paid attention to it and you have kind of these preconceived notions about how people are. Um, and so therefore, I think it's just complete bullshit that it was talked about in that manner on PTI. I thought it was lazy. But like you said, Peyton, there's nothing going on. It's July. There's only baseball on and no one gives a shit about baseball. So um, it's silly. I think Brent probably just either is in recruiting battles or is hearing some negative recruiting on the recruiting trail maybe coming from Dion in Colorado and wanted to put it out there. Um, but also I think it was just a good example of here's how I did things. And here is the complete polar opposite of how it can also be done as an example. That's well-documented and easy to reference. I don't need to go into detail when I say this is how Dion did it to whoever he's talking to of what Dion actually did. Like he, he filmed it. So um, I, I think it was as simple as that, but yeah, I mean, there are layers to it, but, there are layers that didn't necessarily need to be peeled open, if that makes sense. Matt, how much mileage do you guys get out of this on the uh, on the flagship <laughs> over there? Was this something that kind of helped prop up some uh, some drive time uh, space? Oh, we we definitely talked about it, and it was uh, I actually thank Brent for doing that because there's not a whole lot to talk about right now, so I actually thank him for that. Um, yeah, no, we definitely got a lot of play out of it, and I mean, I think. I think everything Brady said was what kind of I, I kind of I was thinking about all of it. I mean, how many? And also, how many of these national talking heads were saying whenever all this was starting with Dion? Like, how many of them were really in support of it? And then how many of them were like, I don't know if this is like the way to do it. You know, like I don't know, like especially when oh another Colorado player enters. Oh, another one. Did, oh, that's it's up to. 60 now or however many players actually left for Colorado. But I mean, I get like he named him personally. So I get how people would say, Oh, that's taking a shot. But like Brady said, it was out there for everybody. Once Dion showed up, how many, how much play did that video get? 
on ESPN PTI that whenever that video dropped of him being like, yeah, I got my own luggage coming. Like it's, and it's Louie, like all this stuff. Everyone was like, Oh man, like that's a really cool thing that he said, but also like all these guys are getting the hell up out of Colorado. So I don't know. It's just kind of a big hypocrisy fest, honestly. And it's very, very much July college football talk. Well, I also think it's also just maybe just the, the tone of, of media and the tone of the fan bases to a certain degree is it has been shifting. You know, Brent is obviously coming from an older style of doing this stuff. You know, the one year grace period, the no visit rule, things like that seeming to be from like an older, a quote unquote, older perspective of doing this stuff. You know, and Dion walks in and it's like, I'm cutting people right now. You guys need to go and stuff like that. It seemed more of like, hey, this is the professional, the quote unquote professional world of college football now. Like this is what we all signed up for and we quote unquote fought for this, you know? So and I'm saying quote unquote all the time now. So I apologize everyone who's being triggered by that. Uh, it, I think maybe that's just another shift of like, maybe Brent is behind the time or behind the curve or something like that. And also doesn't help when Brent goes six and seven. And it's like, well, who are you to criticize anybody? <laughs> you just took OU from, if you don't know the context, you took OU from 11 wins to six wins. You know, if you don't know the context at all, you know, it's easy to swoop in, see something from a very surface level and say, you should shut up until you win a couple of games. Um, I think that's a hard part of it too. Brady, you're going to say something. I was just going to say like, it's so funny how like Oklahoma and I don't even know if it's the proper term, but Oklahoma in 21 into 22 is like the nexus of about every little narrative or storyline about of, of college football. Um, Cause to me, like a, a lot of like the commentary surrounding like the program uh, when it's winning six games and lo- losing seven and then the aftermath of that, that, well, maybe the talent wasn't that good, but still that's really bad. And look, it, it was bad. Like I'm not trying to paint it as something other other than, but really people, it's not that fucking hard. Caleb Williams left. If yeah, Caleb they lost Williams the fucking Heisman did, Trophy winner. Yeah, if yeah, Caleb Williams I mean, just decided to stay in Norman, OU is going to be just as bad as they were defensively in 21 just as maddening of a team they just have a guy who can win all those close games that they lost you know like it's that simple and you know you can talk about usc like oh well lincoln riley went in and changed the program's trajectory they you know they won all these games they won 11 games got to a new year six bowl because they got caleb williams my man (laughs) and it's like credit to lincoln riley for winning that recruiting battle out of high school and getting that relationship down but that's it does anybody think lincoln riley is going to be at usc next year when caleb goes to the nfl no i don't think so yeah let me go play in the big let me go coach in the big 10 after i ran away from the sec no this is silly and you know whether or not Dion has a a negative opinion about Brent Venables because of that comment, like who I don't care. Um, but yeah, it, it's funny that there are very easy things to look at and people just choose to either ignore them or really dig down deep in an unnecessary way. Like in this uh, Brent Venables V Dion Sanders story uh, when it doesn't need to happen because they're just trying to prove a point, but you know, shout out to your boys in PTI because just like Colorado football, I haven't thought about that show and, 20 fucking years so um i i was shocked that they none of them lost their job from espn and i was shocked that they were still on so cool well and like that was the thing too is brent could have he could have used usc as his example instead of colorado colorado was just you know what riley did on steroids but i mean 
Dion took players from Jackson State, brought them over to Colorado, just like Riley did, took players from OU, brought them to USC. Venables specifically did not do that. Like he made a point that he was not going to try to court any players from Clemson. I mean, you know, both the guys were, you know, Riley cut players. Riley told, you know, got guys out, got guys out of there so that he could remake the roster, brought in guys who were, you know, I'm sure in some cases, just marginal upgrades over guys who were already there. But I mean, it, Venables didn't do that. So your, you know, your hope is that pays off for him in the long run. And again, like that's the message that he's trying to get out there. Yeah. And obviously you can't use the USC <laughs> as an example. I mean, that's, it'd be an entirely yeah, different, thank God. He already, uh, a different he already, powder keg. He already knew at the time he was about to bury USC on the recruiting trail. He didn't need to fire that, <laughs> yeah, that cannonball off. But there's also stuff, I mean, just beyond, like we, we've we said the Caleb Williams things a couple of times, obviously, if, if he had stayed. But even just, let, let's just talk about just the competitive depth stuff. If Nick Manito doesn't leave, if Marcus Hay, mm-hmm. if they stay an extra year that they had, you know, oh, you win some more games next year because they have rotational guys that can rotate in and out. And all of a sudden, you're not being worn down by the fourth quarter. So you didn't just have to have the superstars. You lost a superstar, and then you lost all of your depth all at one time. That was the, the main issue that people just, for some reason, uh, I don't know. It, I we're 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 fans of an extremely extremely blessed uh, college football program, so no one's going to give OU fans a single ounce of grace, and they shouldn't. To be honest with you, <laughs> especially if you've been a Colorado fan your entire life, I wouldn't give a damn about OU's tears <laughs> from that perspective. Uh, but we do have a sideline report here. We have a uh, Brady on the line. He's going to talk to us a little bit about some uh, SEC media day narratives. Uh, just trying to do an interesting segue there. Brady, what was going on at the SEC media days that really stuck out to you? Yeah, well, I mean, it was pretty cool. That, I mean, I have Sooner Scoop went down to SEC media day. Um, our, my boy, my fellow OU employee, Nate Fakin, uh, formerly of KFOR, went down there with uh, for OU Nightly um, with the kids. Um, and I'm sure like some other um, media members went down there. I just haven't caught any of their commentary on it. But um, it was pretty cool just because, yeah, OU and Texas aren't in the SEC, but like the it's there. It's going to happen next year. And so there are some storylines, some narratives that can start to be formed right now. And it was perfect because, you know, you got Josh Heupel sitting there and he knows that not that he's worried about it right now, but he knows that next year he's going to return to Norman, Oklahoma, presumably for the first time since he's been fired. Uh, I pro- probably not the first time he's been back to Norman. I would assume judging by some of his relationships and connections, uh, but in a football capacity, the first time. And it was nice to hear that, you know, he's got, you know, he still has fond memories of OU that he still is um, happy for, for his time and all that. But um, it was just nice to hear it kind of publicly for the first time, because I think we all understand and scoop also talked about on their podcast that um, it seems that Josh's problem is more to do with Bob Stoops than it is uh, to do with the program and the university of Oklahoma. Um, So that's good because him and I, man, (laughs) him and I could uh, uh, be really good friends in that aspect, I guess. But um, if it's ever going to get better for Josh Heupel, um, it would, uh, it would, it just has to start somewhere and here's where it could potentially start, but who knows what, what's going to happen. But that, I mean, did anybody else have any like thoughts on that? Because I, I know like I've talked about this before and I've forced you all to kind of talk about it, but it's just, you know, like he, 
He's the last quarterback to win us a national title, man. And it's like, yeah, Sam Bradford was better than him. Jason White was better than him from a talent standpoint. Baker, Kyler, like, yeah, I get it. But Josh won a Josh won a ring, man. Yeah, I mean, the, the point, and you know, the, the, the Josh stuff, and I was reading some of his quotes a little bit beforehand um, from uh, Sooner Illustrated. Um, the thing is that like, he did avoid Oklahoma. It wasn't just a Bob Stoops thing. He did avoid Oklahoma. I think the, the I think last year's the first time he went to some OU stuff with the Roy Williams Hall of Fame. It's like he was in an, uh, interacting with OU brands and OU groups at that point in time. But I think just the hard part about it is that you know, I was too young to to appreciate that national championship. And then like you know the, those those years in which Bob had OU at the top like, wasn't quite at the peak. Obviously, losing some of those games he should have won. Um, or losing head up against more talented teams, he wasn't qu- quite able to, to to climb over. But does I think just the coaching stuff obviously soured me so much on 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 Hypel and understanding that. And I think Hypel would probably look at that now as you know age and time that's gone by of saying okay that quote unquote again I said that again good lord that's a drinking game now uh, needed to happen you know for him to become a better coach and a better understanding of how to run a program. You know, he doesn't become the coach he is right now if he doesn't go to Utah State and doesn't go to Missouri and doesn't go to UCF. I mean, th- those successes are built on um, figuring out different ways of building programs, running offenses and structuring things. So I think it it all worked out for the best of everyone, and that's what you can always hope for. But it does seem like he's in a better place. And now we've got to figure out, was that all just because it's in front of a microphone, in front of a bunch of cameras, he said that <laughs> nice stuff about OU, uh, or or what's that going to look like once Tennessee does roll into Norman? What happens then? Alan, you got anything on that? You got anything on Josh? Oh no, I mean, I think that for me, I guess the nice part was most of what I've heard about Hypel's relationship with OU since uh, he was let go has really been third hand, right? Like this was the first time that I can recall that he's ever actually since he left, you know, really spoken up much about it. Um, clearly I, I, I mean, if I were in his shoes, I don't care how many, you know, how big of a star I was here too. I'd probably be pretty petty about it too. And be, be pretty pissed off. So I, I like that part of it. I could never really um, blame him for feeling scapegoated, but I, I, it's the kind of thing where you hope enough time has gone by that everybody can put that stuff aside um, and just, I don't, I mean, you know, let, let the two celebrate each other. If that makes sense. I I might be a little bit petty and salty too. If the very next year it was like, Hey, yeah, I could have maybe done something cool with Baker Mayfield too. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. I could have done something pretty good with him too, but no, yeah, I, I'm with you again. If it is, if his beef is just with Bob Stoops, I mean, I guess I get it, but still, like you said, Peyton, I mean, with the way his career path is gone now, I mean, it seems to have worked out for him. I mean, he's, he seems to be killing it right now. I think in he won coach of the year, correct? SEC coach in the of the SEC. Year? Yeah, you did. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's worked out for him. And, if, and like Lincoln Riley aside, like it worked out for OU too. Like it absolutely worked out for OU too. So if, uh, you know, if his first OC job was at Missouri instead of OU and then he got, you know, fired still. He probably did like at this point probably doesn't think that much about it because he doesn't have the pull to Missouri that he does with OU. I think that that's where a lot of the bitterness feelings probably derive from is just that he loves OU. This was his school and this is where he became a hero and a legend. 
It's where he got his career in coaching started. Um, and then his old boss, his old coach, let, like scapegoated him for all the faults. And um, I, I could, I know I read this before, Alan. He had actually talked uh, a few times to like the Orlando Sentinel when he was at UCF about um, coaching at OU. And he had mentioned something and I could never find it. But I know I read something that I remember reading it thinking, oh, Josh is basically alluding to like, I wanted to run that Auburn offense in 2014 that we beat Alabama with, but Bob had other plans. Like, he didn't want to run any quarterbacks. He wanted to, we, uh, we throw the ball and uh, that, and then we run the ball and that's it. Quarterbacks just going to either hand it off, or throw it. And, you know, so I'm reading that and just like rage is boiling in my head. But again, it, everything worked out because Lincoln had to come to like revamp the recruiting, at least on the offensive side of the ball. And then he had to show show his ass of being a coward and then uh, turn tail. And now we got Brent Venables, who seems to be uh, putting the program all offense, defense, and special teams on the right path. But um, the other thing from SEC Media Day, gentlemen's, um, and this is going to be very sad because apparently if we ever want to reminisce or talk about about the uh, the most important two-point conversion in the history of football, we can't, as OU fans, we can't mention Spencer Rattler's name because court Spencer, he, he asked guys, he asked us to not claim him anymore. So when I'm like going off my history tangents about like, Hey, Thomas Lott did this and uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then the two point conversion that saved mankind in the 2021 te OU Texas game that Lincoln Riley constantly, constantly brought up for no reason. Um, we can't talk about Spencer Rattler anymore, boys, because he doesn't want to be claimed by OU Peyton. How how hard are your feelings hurt? I mean, not one bit. Uh, the thing is, like, I'm, <laughs> I'm not uh, I'm not one of the ones who follow through to like the next steps and everything. Like once once Baker got drafted to the Browns, a bunch of people from my area all had Browns, you know, license plates and stuff, and I was like, "You guys are insane! I would never do that. Why would I?" You know, it's, it's like he just doesn't play. Any, it's cool when he comes back or whatever, and they come back and they get their statues, and you know, they're here for like the anniversary of the teams that made playoffs or whatever. But once they're drafted or once they're no longer in, in you know, in the Crimson Cream, I it, they very rarely cross my mind from that perspective. I mean, that's just <laughs> how that is. So if that's how he wants to be treated and and seen. You know, that's his own prerogative. My assumption is this is all coming uh, from the uh, Jalen Hurts, who gets to claim him type of thing from that thing. But yeah, I, I think, and the same thing, maybe it's the exact same thing as the high stuff. Maybe after some years go by, you can think about that. But yeah, I mean, literally booed off the field. <laughs> like the moment, and booed while on the field. And there was, I remember this he was, was being talked about on too. ESPN too. Yeah, that's also true. I mean, he didn't do himself that many favors from that perspective. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think there's probably bad blood both ways from a fan base. Uh, but you know, he gets a dodge out on Oklahoma. This uh, so it doesn't really matter if that perspective. But I don't know. I mean, do we need to have like a, a blanket rule for when players transfer out of OU? I mean, Matt, do you ever keep track of that type of stuff? And you're like, man, I hope that dude really succeeds at this other team that's not OU. I mean, <laughs> do you care about that stuff? Not, not really, honestly. Uh, I mean. If it's maybe if they, uh, I'm trying to think like maybe if they went to some like group of five school, then maybe I was like, okay, yeah, like, and if they were like, you know, 
uh, seemingly a good kid, not um, didn't handle themselves the way that Spencer Rattler did. Um, I don't know. And like, yeah, I get, I get, he should have beef with, with OU and fan base. Like you said, he just got, he got booed off of the field. Um, but I didn't, I didn't see for as much as Lincoln Riley loved talking about Spencer Rattler and how good he was and how, you know, they still believe in him. He was not beating down his door to try to get him out to South Carolina, to, to Southern California with him. He was like, no, uh, I'm sticking with Caleb Williams. Uh, still love you, Spencer, but uh, also Caleb's better than you. And I just didn't have the heart to tell you that. You know, like since 2000, Alan, um, I could probably name five worst quarterback individual performances than when Spencer got booed against West Virginia in 2021. But I can't recall any of those performances, any of those individual um, quarterbacks being booed off the field. But um, I mean, oh yeah, when oh, yeah. I can whenever you heard one in one season, if I wanted to, yeah. you know? <laughs> I mean, whenever you heard about this story, whether it be when it happened or you know me telling you about it, that were, were you just kind of like me and going, oh yeah, Spencer Rattler played at OU. I, co- I completely forgot that. And then I even had a second thought of I'm. I would have preferred him transfer out of the program anyway, if that meant that Dylan Gabriel still gets hurt and we have to watch Davis Bevel quarterback the OU <laughs> Texas game. Um, I mean, I mean, what what complex thoughts are going through that noggin of yours, Alan? When when Spencer just talks about crap like this? Well, I mean, like I mentioned, I'm petty, so I probably would be doing the same thing if I were in his shoes. I mean, look, I was on the record; I didn't like the whole booing thing. Just I, I just don't like doing that to high school to pardon me to college kids, period. That's just how I'm wired. It just makes me uncomfortable. So like that part of it, like, you know, I, I was never I, I mean, I wouldn't say necessarily got raw deal, but I didn't really like the way that part of it went down. Um, but there was there was just something about him that uh clearly he didn't have a particularly good rep um among among the fan base and it wasn't just the whole like oh you know he's he stinks as a quarterback i mean it 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 went beyond that <laughs> and um you know th- that part of it i mean if he need if he needs you know the disrespect thing to fuel his uh you know competitive desire whatever go for it um you know, I mean, I, I still love, man, I loved watching Rattler throw the football. Like, I, I just thought, I mean, it was a thing of beauty. I mean, decisions, what have you. I think that, you know, Riley probably didn't do him a lot of favors that second season. But, I mean, I was I always look at Rattler and think, God, there's so much potential there. You know what I mean? Uh, but in terms of his relationship with OU, uh, I don't really give it much thought, personally. I'm, I've moved on. It didn't it didn't lead to nothing. It led to one of the great Brady Trantham creations of all time that I believe is still up on our Patreon at some point to uh, it was oh, Spencer the, Rattler's uh, highlights uh, dubbed over by mean from Taylor Swift. So uh, <laughs> you can probably go back and find that. Uh, I believe it was after was it after the Texas game or was it after he got benched? Finally, uh, I think it was I think it was right after the West Virginia game. West Virginia game. Okay. And, yeah. See, it wasn't for nothing because that was one of your best creations. That was the Brady Trantham mat, uh, masterpiece. <laughs> I forgot I made that. Um, no, it's w- whatever. Um, yeah, 
Okay, Spencer. Thank you. We won't we won't claim you anymore. <laughs> Moving on. And I think too, also this this just juxtaposition of being booed. And then like because Brady and I went to the into the TCU game, Williams' first start, and hearing that place like explode when yeah. he was announced starting quarterback, and it's like, well, this sucks. <laughs> that, that part it, if I were in his shoes, I'd, I'd be oh, like, Oh, God, I'd want to cry into a hole, man. And like, yeah. just get out of there, man. Yeah, well, I, I mean, it just kind of comes back to a part of, like, being the quarterback is being able to overcome adversity. And Spencer just has proven to not be able to do that whatsoever because, I mean, I'm sure Nate Hibble wanted to cry when Jason White makes his first home start after – they didn't really they didn't really come back against texas in 2001 but it was a back and forth defensive battle and he reignited the offense and i'm sure nate hibble wanted to cry but he kept on and eventually was named the rose bowl mvp in 2002 so it's you know like people oh you fans at least i do like remember nate hibble fondly as a result Uh, but yeah you know spencer sorry moving on no more spencer rattler talk and moving on to more SEC topics, and and I will go ahead and pre-apologize. My dogs have seemed to have heard or seen another uh, shadow or another live thing outside the window. Uh, Seth Emerson, I believe I have that name right, of The Athletic, broke down the future uh, tiers of SEC. And um, they have it broken down from championship caliber, playoff caliber, respectable, and then lastly, don't embarrass the school. And that one is uh, <laughs> left alone with Vanderbilt and the only one there. Uh it's strange because I heard OU was going to be win, you know, losing six games every single year, moving to SEC. But Seth has OU solidly in the championship caliber along with Georgia, Alabama, LSU, and Texas. Um, kind of interesting to have a Texas in there, in my personal opinion. But again, Texas, in theory, is a great football program. <laughs> uh, but you can only get so far in theory. Shout out uh, Chris uh, Nolan for that. Uh, thing there and your playoff caliber is your a&m florida tennessee and auburn and everyone else is kind of everyone else uh are 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 any of you guys surprised that ou and texas are immediately maybe for more of the in the know media types are being put into that championship caliber type of tier there, being able to compete head to head with a georgia alabama and lsu moving forward in the sec do we think this is the future the sec conference wanted to have was like we have a five program top tier of this league now. I mean, I there's think, definitely, sorry, go ahead, Brady. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to, I was just going to say like, I, I think to kind of carry the narrative home that this is a really tough conference in the respect, in the third tier, you've got, I think two programs, Arkansas and Ole Miss that have won national championships. So it, if you could just think really quick, um, the Big 12, when it was the actual Big 12, when Nebraska and AM were in the conference, would any of those programs in, in some third tier have won a national title in the distant past? So, it, you know, it just kind of goes to show you how good and historically good, good this program or this conference is. But I, I think this putting OU and Texas into the championship caliber, I think, I think the media probably just had a little fun. They wanted to have fun at OU's expense because, you know, we're an easy target. Um, the state of Oklahoma, OU's um, inability to tackle anybody, but having all these badass offenses and quarterbacks that get us to the mountaintop. And then we just kind of embarrass ourselves. And as we get closer and closer, and especially with Brent Venables running the show, and at least on the recruiting trail, seeming to put the program back into the place that it needs to be, 
Um, I, I think the media is probably coming about this with more reason now uh, of like, yeah, OU is actually like, I mean, they're, they're a top three program all time, top four program all time. Like no, no matter what I think of them or my personal opinion of them, um, you just can't dispute their history. And they're going into a conference where a lot of their strengths are going to be accentuated. Um, whereas in the big 12, you could argue that some, like some of it is like that conference, the big 12 maybe holds OU back to um, with a certain respect to uh, competition with, being able to just kind of rest on your laurels of there's not that much competition. You know, if it's just OSU, if it's just a down Texas team, if it's just random, like Iowa state or TCU, it's like, you're going to pick OU in that battle 10 times out of 10. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's good to be respected. Um, Texas in the championship caliber though. I I don't know why they're there. (laughs) If, if we want to bounce off that, but Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, let's be fair, Texas. I mean, Texas has a, a more recent national championship than OU. Now, a lot, That's true. a lot has happened in between there. But, you know, I guess the idea that Texas can win a national championship is there. And, you know, it's the same thing that transfixes the media all the time when it comes to Texas football, because, like Peyton mentioned, the theory is great, but the application is just a clown show so you know i mean looking at that part of it going forward but i think andy staples actually put it put it really well when i was listening to him he might have been doing something with uh, eddie radosevich but he his he the way he summed it up is like is what he says i'm not worried about where ou's going in the sec or in general i i know i think they're going to do really well as a program you know he just said in the more immediate term, he's just like, I don't know if Brent Brent Venables and his coaching staff right now are going to be the ones on that ride up the SEC or if it'll be somebody else or you will just find somebody else to do it. But I mean, that's kind of, that's kind of the way I've always looked at it. Now, again, that's not saying he's going to get in there and dominate. Everybody understands what they're walking into now, but I mean, just looking at, you know, the history of OU's program versus the other ones that you're comparing them against. I mean, there's a reason why OU's had so much success. I mean, even, you know, aside from Ohio State, you know, even teams that enjoyed a lot of advantages over their annual competition in recruit or in uh, conferences the way OU has, not all of them have been able to kind of maintain that uh, that separation the way that OU has in terms of, you know, win so many conference championships and whatnot. I mean, I think, you know, a lot of people are more starting to look at it and think, okay, well, having that sec branding as part of the program now is going to just be a, a multiplier for OU in terms of on field success. And this move, I mean, OU and Texas, obviously moving into the sec that brings sec up now to three blue bloods. <laughs> However you want to kind of identify that thing before it was just Alabama, which is kind of hard to really think about if you're, if you're just a modern college state football fan, you're just so used to the uh, proliferation of sec over everything else. But, you know, historically, it's been Alabama, (laughs) and that's pretty much it for the SEC. You know, Georgia popping up in the, what, mid-80s one time. Yeah, Uh, Tennessee has more of of, Tennessee Tennessee has, they have more of a pull or more of a, I guess, call to 
make uh, of being a blue blood, in my opinion, historically, than Georgia does. Ge- I mean, Georgia's incredible right now. Don't get me wrong, but so was Miami and Clemson for a while. Mm-hmm. And but Brady had mentioned. I mean, when the Big Twelve was the Big Twelve at the height of its power, you had Texas, you had Oklahoma, you had Nebraska, you had three blue bloods who were all actively good. Like that's yeah. that's just doesn't happen very often. Right. But I mean, look at the the Big Ten right now. You've got four blue bloods. Now, I just don't know if Nebraska will ever be back to being like that style of good, but you have the potential of having Ohio State, Michigan, and USC all varying levels of pretty damn good in 2024 and 2025, depending on you know who's coaching either of those programs. Because at any one point in time, you could convince me Ryan Day, Lincoln Rally, or Harbaugh are leaving, <laughs> which is maybe the harder part for those programs moving forward. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you look at it just from a historical perspective, Oh, you should be fine. I mean, for a certain thing, if I were Texas, that's the thing where it's like you have to historically have you figured out what made your run of Mac Brown work. And then is that something that's that can be replicated or have I do I lack imagination and think it has to be a Mac Brown style? You know, maybe maybe I do at that point in time uh, that it's maybe it could things could change with nil and everything of that nature I, I think that's everything we've got on on the record here do we have anything on the extras bit um that we may have missed out on um uh, brady allen none for me just looking forward to the next week of probably a little bit of nothing and then i think ou fans are kind of penciled in august 1st you know you might want to pl- tune into twitter Nothing, I guess, set in stone officially, but that that seems to be like the next date where people could be excited or uh, rage kill their computers. Well, if that's all we have, guys, thank guys and and gals, thank you guys so much for uh, joining and listening to us again. We have a Patreon at patreon.com slash through the keyhole. Uh, next week, you'll be able to uh, listen to a, a at least a time locked uh, podcast with Kyle Gottlip. Got got go lick. Oh, man, sorry, Kyle, of uh, MikeFarrellSports.com. We talked about OU Nebraska historically and Barry Switzer versus Tom Osborne. Very, very knowledgeable, even from a Penn State guy who obviously had bias against Oklahoma for the Wait, mid-80s so championship Wait, so he was a Penn State guy? He is a Penn State oh, guy. We are. Oh, we no are. wonder. No <laughs> wonder his ball, 80s number one coaching in the 80s. list. Yeah. Oh, my yeah, yeah, God. Yeah. <laughs> but it was very fun to see someone break that down from that perspective. Uh, great guy. Helped us out there. And we also have more stuff coming online. The Monday post coming online. Uh, another film review post is uh, Friday as well. Haven't quite decided what position I'm breaking down. But come hang out with us and have fun. Uh, if that's everything, thank you, everyone. And then Matt, sign us off. Boomer. Sooner. Sooner.